you're letting people understand that money is not the root of all evil and that when you have money, the magic of it is that it creates more money. And when they understand that initial concept, the concept is give your money a job. And if I can teach them that in the first part about, hey, they're worthy for it, they can go and get it, it doesn't make them look evil, and that they can actually use it to create and multiply their money, that's how I would start it. Welcome to the Dreaming Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired, learn the tips, tricks, and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan Nelson. Each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dreaming Out Loud with your host, me, Morgan T. Nelson. Look, guys, before we get started in today's interview, I'm obligated to share something with you that's been a complete freaking game changer to my life. If you want to grow any kind of business or grow yourself, grow your income or pursue your dreams, do you know where it all actually starts? It starts with your health. So your outer world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So when you're thinking clearer and sharper, and you're feeling healthier, happier, and you've got more energy and vitality, everything around you starts to amplify. So that's why I have one of these bad boys every single day. It's called BEA or a beer is what I call it. It stands for botanical energy and adaptogens. So guys, this is straight up the world's healthiest energy drink. It's been a complete game changer in my life and my business. It's jam-packed full of all the good stuff that our bodies actually need every single day. And it has a full serving of vegetables, but tastes nothing like it, thank God. Right? That's pretty good. Uh, it's so freaking easy. I love it. It's so easy to be able to swap this out for a coffee. Like I used to be a coffee fanatic, energy drink fanatic, and this is just way, way, way better to swap it out for these things. You know, when I used to be a carpenter, I lived off energy drinks because I knew that I needed it to get through the big days of work. Otherwise, I'd just crash out. But I also knew the damage it was doing to my body every single day. And if I continued doing it, I knew that ultimately my life would just start to get even worse than what it was. So I'm so freaking stoked that now I've got my hands on this drink, that it's got a nourishing blend of raw nutrients sourced from whole food, fruits, and vegetable ingredients, guys. And it's got none of the bad stuff that ruins the insides of your bodies. So if you guys want to grab your case of BEA, then jump in the link of this episode right now and you're going to get 25% off as one of my listeners. All right, jump in right now, grab yours and come and share a can with me. All right, now let's get into this interview. Okay, today's guest is a lawyer turned multiple six-figure network marketer, professional speaker, investor, educator, and author. After running a successful property marketing and sales business with his dad, he found network marketing where he could tap into his true potential and also help so many others create the freedom that he was creating for himself as well. Him and his wife, Alicia, are the founders of The Side Hustle Secret, where they're helping hundreds of people learn the secrets to building a side hustle and creating true wealth. He's recently completed his first 100-kilometer ultra marathon and has spoken on stages to thousands of people all across the world, plus having built a million-dollar share portfolio from scratch at just 37 years old. So please help me welcome the guy who went from washing cars at, for $5 when he was 11 years old to now the author of his first book, Money Grows on Trees. My friend, Mr. Lloyd J. Ross. What's up, Morgs? Woo! How are you, man? <laughs> Mate, I'm, I'm unstoppable. How are you? Uh, much the same. Yeah, Much the same. Especially after that. I've got to step into that now. <laughs> I love it. I, I always say to people, like, you know, when this show episode, uh, when this show airs, you can just take it and re-listen to the intro every single time and just hype yourself up every single <laughs> time. Pump up in the morning. 
<laughs> like, yeah, that's who I am. I'm fucking badass. <laughs> right. Well, I'm excited to um, have this chat with you. It's cool because yeah, we've known each other for years. Um, yeah. And I've seen you just grow more and more and crush it more and more in life. And to Likewise. see just the, the shit you're doing this year is so freaking cool. So, um, uh, yeah, it's this was definitely inevitable. This was, this was going to happen. So I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you can finally, we finally make the time. You can come on. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me on. I've been, I've been watching you too. And it's just been, I remember sitting together at one event a few years ago and we're just like low level rising <laughs> up. And now like you're going next level. It's just awesome to watch. Yeah, we're causing a ruckus together at the bar. <laughs> In yeah. Vegas, was it? No. That was <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All over the world. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. All right, dude, I want to jump straight into this. Um, oh, yeah. Man, when you told me, so you're 37 years old, million dollar share portfolio, multiple six-figure income owner in network marketing, doing so much things. Um, and we're get into all that. And I really want to hear about the book as well. But take us back to 11 years old, washing cars at five bucks. Because I think there's like a, there's a, there's a common thread when you meet people who do well, right? They always had, that's why I always ask people, what was your first little thing you did to make money? And yeah. usually they've got some unique little thing. I did this. I hustled when I was 11 washing cars or selling <laughs> this, right? Take us back. How did that all start? Was this kind of influenced on you from your family or, or did you always just kind of have this thing about you where you wanted to hustle and kind of make money? I think it's a combination of the both. I, th- I actually talk about that little story in my book. Um, and I got it, I guess I inherited it from my dad. He's, he's an all-time hustler. Like he, he was multi-millionaire at 28, self-made after dropping out of school in grade 10. Like badass, can sell, just loose as legend really. And um, so I kind of modeled him, his ability to, to, to just get things done, you know. So I watched that. And, and then I think it's in you a bit, you know. You have to have this... I had this desire to just make some money, you know, it seemed fun and cool. So I just like, you know what, how am I going to do that? And back in those days, there was no like drop shipping, eBay selling, no, no gum tree to sell stuff on. So it was like, go wash the neighbor's car. So I remember printing out these um, flyers, gave it to my dad. It looked really sucky. So he went into the office and spruced it up for me and gave it back with like tons. I just went handing it out to mailboxes and yeah, that started washing cars for five bucks. Actually I had a business partner. And so it was two dollars fifty. The last business partner I had. <laughs> you, you learned that lesson early on in life. Early, Just early. Do it on your own. That's yeah. uh, that's so funny because I, I remember I had my first um, I feel like I, I had my first little hustle when I was probably just moved to the Gold Coast. I don't know. I would I would have been ten or eleven. Yeah. Would have been ten or eleven. And what I did, I don't know if you remember those little Scoobies. Do you remember that? That was called a Scooby and people is like nylon strings and people would like make cool little shit out of it and make like a key ring. So I thought I was like, yeah, I'll give it a go. I started making the stuff. I was horrible at it because I was just like, this sucks. Um, but then I made my absolute crappy little key ring and I went and sold it at Coles up the road. Right. I sold it out the front. I put up this little cardboard box and I started selling these key rings. And then after I realized that no one really wanted to buy my stuff because they were horrible and they looked like shit. I came back home and I saw these kids down the row. They took my idea, but they knew how to do it really, really good. Yeah, okay. So they were creating really good ones. And then I would go down to them, negotiate, buy them all for like 50 cents. And I'll take them up the coals and sell them for five bucks each. Yeah. They went up to you and then you got them back. Yeah. Yeah. So then I I found my supplier. (laughs) How good is that? That's a great lesson to learn early. I wasn't that clever. Man, I had, that's all we had was this. I didn't do anything at school. I was like, wash cars. It was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. We've been like the richest guy at school, 11 years old. 
Yeah, well, I don't know, two dollars fifty. I don't know if I'm rich, but uh, you know what? It's just like I remember what one lesson I learned doing that was that one guy's house we went to. He said, "How much?" I was like, five bucks," and he's like, "Well, I can get it done for the scouts up the road for three bucks." And I was like, "Yeah, but you're gonna go there and use petrol." And we both knew that. We still, I just stood there staring at him. He's like, hmm. "But I'll let you do it." So it's just my first experience of like having competition setting prices you know that type of stuff so those little lessons are good later on you know yeah, you learn, you know? yeah. i love it so do you think that this was because this is kind of the question that i've had so many times do you think entrepreneurs are made or they're born you have to i think they're born because there has to be some innate desire inside of you that says i want to actually go and see if i can make money for myself I don't want to just, you have to, I feel like I had this kind of like sickening feeling of mediocrity in my system when I was in a job. And I was like, this is mediocre. This, mm. this whole thing has got a ceiling on it. I can't live like this. And I don't know, that's not, I don't think that's developed. I think that's in you. You know what I mean? And then some other things can influence you like people and parents and family and stuff like that can influence you for sure to, to kind of bring that magic out but I really feel like it's born. It's inside us. You know, we have this, this itch we need to scratch. Mm-hmm. I think. So do no. you think that people that are maybe listening to this going like, Oh fuck, I wasn't born with it. Do you think there's still hope for them? Well, if they're listening to this thinking, I want to be an entrepreneur, they are born with it. Like uh, otherwise they wouldn't be listening to this. I don't think mm. so. They've got it. It's just, there is hope for them because they have it. So now it's about bringing it out, developing it. And that I'm, I'm sorry to say the only way to do it is to go out and actually make a mess of a lot of stuff. Like what you did, you know, you went and did these things, you sucked at it, then you went and did it. That's it. I was a crap car washer when I first started. Same stuff, right? But you got to go and try. It's how you develop skills. But of course, there's hope for them. There's hope for everyone. Human beings are freaking amazing. You know, what we can do is amazing. But this is, listen to this episode and, and this podcast is a great first step. Yeah. It literally is, you know, because like I, who was I talking to yesterday? I was talking to someone, I think I was talking to Cameron yesterday. And she's like, she's like, you know, what's crazy that you should start teaching some more of the stuff. She's telling me, she's like, you should start teaching more of the stuff that you've learned to get to where you are. Because five fucking years ago, you're getting shit faced at a bar, getting arrested and, and all this shit. She's like, if someone like you, just like this shithead, angry fucking carp and I would get arrested all the time can go on and create the life like you probably learned a thing or two i'm like yeah good point <laughs> yeah it's funny you know like um because i that's how i started i was got i got arrested in surface just being drunk and you saw they paid a fifty dollar fine back then it was years and years ago so it must be this thing it's <laughs> just this not wanting fun. to conform that's the thing it's like yeah hey, i don't, know. It's don't want to yeah <laughs> don't conform. it's conformity i think definitely defiance i have this defiance like and you have it too where if someone says you can't do something it's just like really? Let me show you. And I think that's a good trait to have as an entrepreneur. So. Yeah. Okay. So you got into the work life and everything like that. Did you go all the way to years 12? You must yeah. have. You're like super smart. Yeah. You're like 37 degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you went to the work life. Then you started investing at 24. Was this because I, I, I didn't have, I didn't care for investing at 24. How, how did okay. you kind of get into this whole world of investing? Great question. So I left school I, when I was like, after cleaning cars, I ended up like chopping down trees, doing gardens. I used to clean this guy's pool when I was in my late teens, uh, sort of end of school, sort of start of after I left. 
And I was making like hundred bucks cash a day. And um, long story short, I made his pool turn green too many times. He sacked me and then I just kept washing his car on the left. But went overseas after that. But what I learned was I was like, how do I, how do I make this money without working? I just knew there was a way because I did read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad Poor Dad, when I was like 18 or 17, maybe even younger. And Richest Man in Babylon, I was like, okay, I need to learn money. I need to learn how this, how to create more income, right? So that's what I read. And I, I figured out in those books, it's possible. So I was like, okay, how do I do this? Now, they don't teach it in school. You don't even learn it at university. I can vouch for that. You're right. You just you don't learn anything entrepreneurial or money-based at uni. So I finished uni and I did three degrees and I finished uni completely when I was 24. Um, and what happened was I was like, I started saving money, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to save money. And all I knew back then was like, Property, 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 property. Wow, my dad was in property. Everyone in Australia seemed to be property crazy. The Aussie and dream, I, right? Yes. It's like yeah. property <clears throat> madness. And what I realized was like, okay, I got like 20 grand or something like that. I think I had about 10, 10 20,000 bucks I'd saved up. And I was like, oh, I could go and buy, a, I don't know. Like I had to go and get like $300,000 worth of debt to buy this property. And I don't know. I just wanted to get some cash flow back. I didn't want to go and just reuse all the cash flow and paying the bank back. So I'm like, there's got to be another way, right? And I remember Robert Kiyosaki talking about dividends, these things called dividends. I was like, what the frick? Dividends, dividends, dividends. So I learned, I was like, I need to learn about shares. So I don't know where I, at that point, all I knew about shares was there's charts and it goes up and down. And all I learned was when I was younger, it's really risky and you need to lose all your money. That was my you probably felt you probably heard the exact same. same. The same. First, yeah, first ever person I ever talked to about money, he said to me, "He's like, stay stay away from stay away from stocks. You're gonna lose all your money." Yeah, so, so that was early same, belief. That's the same program I had. Turns out it's completely fictitious and false. Mm. But I was like, "Wow, charts and maths." I was like, "This is gonna be confusing." So here's how it started for me, man. Ready? I read The Wolf of Wall Street. Worst financial education ever when you read that book, <laughs> but. What I love about what Jordan Belfort did was he kind of showed us the magic of the share market, even though he completely did it wrong. But that book, I was like, holy, I, that's amazing. What a life that he lived, right? Not the best, but it is like adventurous. So I was like, wow, that got me enticed. And then I remember after I had this money, I'm like, okay, now I need to kind of learn a little bit more about this. And I, I was going through the airport one day. And I look left to the bookstore. I used to go and hang out at the bookstore in airports, you know, trying to find a book to read. That's one thing you got to do is read. And I saw Warren Buffett, the, the snowball. And I knew this guy was like the big investor, the king. So I was like, wow, his biography? That must be amazing. I'd love to learn about how he actually made money in stocks. So I grabbed this book and I read it like in two days, smashed it. I was just like, what? And in that book, you learn about the essence of investing, like how to buy stocks that are undervalued so basically buying pieces of companies for less than what they're worth like buying dollar bills 50 cents and in my mind my entrepreneurial mind i'm like buying a dollar bill for 50 cents that makes absolute sense to me it's like when you had those little things and you went and bought mm -hmm. them for 50 cents sold them for same stuff right so that's how you actually invest in stocks and i learned it in that book and then when i'm reading that book i found out that at age 11 incidentally warren buffett bought his first stock he used to sell Cokes and stuff to, he was entrepreneurial, right? And so I'm like, this guy's awesome. 
And so then at 19, he reads this book called The Intelligent Investor. And I was like, boom, that's the gold. So I left that book, finished it, and went and bought this book, The Intelligent Investor. And I just read it front to back, which started this journey into stocks. I read all of his letters to shareholders. I just became a Warren Buffett fiend. I just like delve into it for like 10 years. And that's how I learned. I started like, I remember the first stock that I bought. Here's my, it was my objective. I didn't want to work in a freaking job anymore. I hated it. I didn't want to work. I hate working <laughs> on stuff that I don't like, obviously. And so I'm like, how, where is my strategy here? I can't work in this job forever. So where's my backup? Where's my plan B? This is before network marketing. I knew it even existed, right? So I buy my first stock. I think I invested three and a half grand into Westpac Bank because it was paying a six and a half percent dividend. It's huge. Anyway, so I've invested and all of a sudden I get this. In those days, they send checks into the, in the mail. So I'm like, man, I remember getting out my check, opening this envelope and it's a check from Westpac Bank and it's a hundred bucks. And I'm just like, oh, like it was just, I, it, I was like, if I can do this again and again and again, this could be a thousand. And that's when I realized that money grows on trees. You just got to learn how to actually plant the right seed, water it and wait for the money to come into your, into your mailbox, man. It was, that's how I got it started. You know? Yeah, this is so fucking good because like the whole um, theme of this sort of podcast is kind of two underlying things. It's A, showing people that, you can go and live out your dreams, right? Whatever that may look like for you. We've had multimillionaires on here. We've had like stunt actors on here, um, you know, but then it's also teaching people the things that they should have been learning in school because to go and live out your dreams, you need to get your money right. Like it's, yeah. it's very hard. You can go and live out your dreams and be broke. You can like, like, you know, money doesn't bring happiness. Absolutely. But fuck me. Like if your money's sorted, the financial stress just isn't there. You've got that certainty, right? So that's why I, I love this. Um, I, I, well, I love my dream. We're talking about dreams. I guess my, my initial dream was get the heck out of the workforce. Yeah. Like then I can actually, then anything is better. <laughs> like, I mean, I sit around watching Netflix all day is better than being in the office. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like it's, that yeah, was my absolutely. dream, right? Make a million bucks. I always had this dream. I was like, I want to be a millionaire. I just, cause I saw what the millionaires were doing and they seemed to be living just a bigger life. It just made sense. So it was all about money. I was like, yeah, I need to learn money. I need to be a million bucks because if without it, I can't do much. You know? Yeah. Did you always have the mindset of like, because a lot of the times people go through like worthiness things. Am I worthy of making that money? Can I make that much money? Did you always have that kind of screwed into you? Never. I never had unworthiness. Never. I just never, I, I don't understand that. That doesn't compute with me. I don't know. You know, you can always, I was lucky to have great parents and like a dad that always spoke about money and fun. And I saw how he worked. He worked hard, right? So that, I, I modeled that, but I never grew up. The worst thing I could have happened to me was my dad was such a big hitter that what could have happened was, oh, I'm in his shoes. I, I, how do I feel those big shoes? I'm in his shadow. That type of victimhood could have happened. But in my mind, I'm so competitive. I'm like, I'm going to out-earn him. I'm, I'm going to go bigger. Like, I, even though I was only little, I was like, I can grow into this. But he poured off heaps of belief into me heaps so did my mom so i was like i never suffered from unworthiness and i guess it's like i always figure it's like a squirrel you know a squirrel goes and gets a nut to eat it to live doesn't think um, am i worthy of this nut can i have two nuts no it just goes and eats it man it goes and gets hunt, hunts more nuts like that's what it's about so i don't understand the unworthiness thing it doesn't compute yeah yeah it's it's such a it's such an interesting thing um but definitely we can leave for another episode, but 
what I found is it's, it's usually people that are just still, you know, they're, they're, they're just looking around that they're, they're digesting all this information, but they're taking no action. And when you take no action, it just gives you more time to think and doubt and get in your head. But what I found, like what you said before, it's like, just get out there and take messy action and make a mess of shit yeah. and go and figure it out. Cause as long as you're still moving, you know, and you're around the right people, those kind of negative thoughts that get talk you out of shit start to kind of suppress. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times people don't like to do stuff because they, they have this fear of looking bad in front of other people. And if you're going to be successful, you have to kind of look like a dork, like an idiot. Sometimes you just do, you just got to, and that's where your self-esteem comes into it. You know, like if you just know in yourself what you're doing and it makes you happy, you just have to let it. I never had a, a, a I never needed friends. Like I never needed them. I just like, I had them, but it never really, I didn't, didn't worry me if I, didn't have you know friends it just doesn't bother me i'm great yeah. with, by myself i'm great with people whatever you know i guess that helps yeah. yeah yeah i love it i got a question if you were to if you were to take a let's say a wealth class at school yeah if you were to teach a class on wealth like if you could go back and actually teach grade 11s and 12s wealth what would that what would that look like it would be really simple um the first step of that wealth class would be the mindset. You're letting people understand that money is not the root of all evil and that when you have money, the magic of it is that it creates more money. And when they understand that initial concept, the concept is give your money a job. And if I can teach them that in the first part about, hey, they're worthy for it, they can go and get it, it doesn't make them look evil, and that they can actually use it to create and multiply their money, that's how I would start it. And then once they understood, like, wow, like, I, you mean I can actually put my money, if I saved it, put it somewhere, it will produce more money? Like, yeah. And they're, wow, like that would be the first time they would experience that or seen that. And then I would explain to them the practicalities because the how-to, how to save, what it actually looks like. Because I thought that money just gets created out of thin air, you know? No one talks about the fact you've got to, like, not have coffees or, you know, sacrifice a bit to, to make your first 1000 bucks, 100000 bucks. And I'd show them, hey, you do have to not eat out all the time. Stop eating, eating Uber Eats for five seconds. That's how you save money. It's not sexy. That's what I would teach them first. Then I'd say, now, when you got your money, this is where I would put it. And it would be something around like, hey, just look at an ETF, index funds, check it out, you know, help them to get their first investment down and show them when it grows and produces that it's working. And once I did that, you know, I feel like I've given them a huge leg up, probably saved them 10 or 20 years. It would be very simple. I could cover that in one class and it would help everyone in school. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think, do you think the biggest thing that kind of stops people because like there's, there's so much information out there to teach you how to get wealthy. Like it's not fucking hard. All right. Well, like the, what's, the, what's the biggest thing that stops people from actually going and getting it? Do you think it's the like money? Like, do you think, like you said, like um, money's the root of all evil. Do you think it's the beliefs about actually creating money or do they think that's too hard or what? It can be, it can be, it can be how people perceive them. So like a lot of people don't like to have money because they get talked about and that frightens people. So like if you, cause people talk about you, people talk about me behind our backs, right? Because we, everyone does, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm not scared of that. I'm okay for 30% of the population not to like me. I don't, doesn't, you know. They're, but they're not like, they're not, they're not not liking you because you got money though. Uh, no, but there's, once you have money, you become the talk of the group. You do. And if you are super broke, 
you can also become the talk of the group. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. But I think people are so fearful to step into that light of, hey, this person's got money and stuff. And the chatter that can go on around that circle of influence about them, they're frightened of that. They're frightened to be perceived with someone who's got money because they feel like money's like sometimes, yeah, like they're not worthy of it or it's evil, whatever it might be, right? So I think that's what prevents people first for exploring money and becoming successful is the judgment. The second thing I think that prevents them is they don't actually do the focused work on developing the money mindset and the skills. They don't. They'll get. They'll wait for a stock tip or they'll wait for like a, a, a hypey thing to come and they'll just jump in it, right? Whereas when you actually go and read the right books and you learn the basics, and it's, again, it's not sexy. Okay, it's not. It's unsexy, right? Wolf Wall Street made it sexy, but truthfully, it's unsexy, right? So what happens to them then is if they don't do that work to level up their skills, then they get subjected to the shiny objects, and what happens in their wealth journey is they go, okay, like, oh, yeah, like I was talking to a guy the other day, like, you know, he gave money to this FX trader and he didn't know much. And he was like, I, he told me, he's like, Lloyd, I did this and this and this. And then I was like, damn, like, did you know what you're doing? He's like, not really. And so you can get sideswiped a bit. Um, and crypto can come up. Um, stocks, certain stocks can come up that are wrong. So even property, like, getting swept up in the property train at the wrong times and stuff can be bad, but I guess it's shiny object syndrome from people in your circle that can take you off the tracks. And once you make a big mistake in money, it can frighten you and scare you off. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I don't want to invest because I did that last time. And now this happened. I think those two things are, are, are major that, you know, that prevents people becoming successful. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I guess that's, that's why it's so important to continually keep leveling up though. Totally. You know, yeah. like, like a, yeah, like a goal, a goal of mine is to continually be the dumbest and the brokest in the room. Yeah. Like I get weirdly excited about being really embarrassed to tell people around me how much money I make. Like, and I think, you know, and some people just got this ego where they, they don't like to do that. Um, yeah. But fuck, I just know like getting over that, like that's that I know that's one thing that's definitely helped me. Like, I'm, I'm always continually around people that just make so much more money than me. Like I'm embarrassed. <laughs> like I'm around people that are like talking about making multiple six figures a month. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. I don't want to tell you how much I made this month. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's good though. See that you're like that. Like you're, you're, the traits you have dictate success and that's about looking bad. Don't worry about it. That, that, that's so important, but that's because you've got a really healthy self-esteem. So it comes back to that. Like you have to be good in yourself, but you don't care what people think. Mm. You know, easy to say, but some people struggle with it. Yeah. You know, so I know, I know that there's, there's so much information out there about like the how to, and I think a huge thing that kind of holds people back is, is their mindset. Cause I, I know one for me. So back when I used to sell those keychains, I had to do that without my dad knowing, <laughs> right? I didn't tell him about it because I didn't grow up with the money's bad, but there was definitely a common talk of, money isn't everything and money doesn't grow on trees like well hang on a second now there's a fucking book saying money does grow on trees. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, you know yeah. it's like like question everything yeah you gotta question absolutely everything because even if it's the people you love the most like your parents telling yeah. you one thing doesn't yeah. necessarily mean it's true like everyone's always doing yeah. the best they can with the information they have yeah um so what what are some other great places i guess for people to start working on their money mindset because i know is that a thing you kind of go into in your book like money yeah. mindset kind of understanding yeah. this 
Yeah, in the book, so like at the start of this book, I talk about the money archetypes and you know the money archetypes, right? Like um, it's just about the spender, baby. What's that? <laughs> I'm yeah, a spender, baby. I'm a spender, I'm a hoarder. Can, we go, can you go over them for the people yeah, who don't so, know? Yeah, so we got spender and people who spend, they, they feel like money is just there to be spent. That's what it's for, right? Why else would you want money? And they are good at, you know, spending it on gifts and themselves and clothes and that type of stuff, right? Um, and they obviously don't have a lot of money in their bank account because they'd love to spend it. Like uh, the perfect so, person to be next to at a bar. Correct. Like I'm a great person. Best spouse to have as a spender, right? You know, because they like, spend on you too. Yeah, and if if you if you if you are my waiter, like you're getting a big fat tip. <laughs> yeah, you go to the spender archetype table. My dad's a spender. I yeah. even talk about in the book, man. Like he's bought Aston Martin, Vanquishes, Rolexes, penthouses. Like he big hitter, right? So he yeah. spent it all. Oh, oh, oh. So he loves he loves to spend, but. Yeah, the biggest problem with that is that you don't have any money. You have too much money at the end of the money. And that's where you don't get to save and invest. So you never actually get money working for you. That's the biggest problem with a spender archetype. Um, the next archetype is avoider. And avoiders, they have this like anxiety attached to money because it reminds them of maths. And they have this kind of irkness about numbers at school and it made them sick. And so now they apply that same anxiety to money. So they don't want to look at their bank account at all it freaks them out right and if they do that they let bills pile up they don't pay the bill and of course that can catch up to you and one of my best friends used to, you know uh my groomsman he was an avoider man he got himself in a lot of strife like people calling him out looking for him like it was bad so it can really end badly um there's nothing really great about an avoider archetype except that you tend to be living a life free of the worry of money basically because this is piling up behind you um the next archetype is the hoarder and that's what I am. Right. And the hoarder is someone who like doesn't want to spend money on frivolous stuff like shoes. I, I, I mean, I still wear the same shirts. They've got holes in them. My wife's suspended. She's like, for the love of God, buy some new clothes. And I'm like, no, why would I spend money on frivolous stuff like clothes? It doesn't make any more money. Like it's so the problem with, the good thing about a hoarder is that we have savings and investments and we can actually get in front of our finances, right? You just got a budget, you know, but problem with a hoarder is sometimes you let that get in the way of living a great life because you don't want to spend any money. So that's the trap to fall. You don't want to fall into. Like it's a guilt free. It's like, it's like you, when you spend money and stuff, it's like kind of guilt spending. Well, for me, I don't see the purpose. Mm. It's like, it's weird. You're like, why else would you have money if you can't spend it? But I'm like, that, that could be spent on producing more of it. It's yeah, just, to do nothing else with it. Yeah, it's like, but you know, I still spend, thankfully. So I've got a nice balance because I've got to spend a wife. Yeah. You know, yep. Hold a husband, spend a wife. We come together and we have a symbiotic, you know, relationship. Land of milk and honey. <laughs> so uh, we influence each other. So I influence her to save more. She influences me to spend more. It's a nice thing. But then the final one is the money monk. And the money monk is someone who thinks money is the root of all evil and is, money's dirty and would prefer to chain themselves to a tree rather than buy the whole forest. You know, they just don't want to, they want to avoid money. And there's a lot of them, right? Money monks. And uh, obviously there's no, the, the good thing about being a money monk is you don't get caught up in the world of money and you can just have to have this free life and yada, yada, yada. But that is also going to get you in a bit of trouble because money is right up there with oxygen. Right in importance because you need it to buy food and shelter and all the basics. So yeah, they're the four money archetypes. But most people have got one main one and then a backup. So like if you're a spender avoider, really bad because <laughs> you spend all you don't even want to look at your bank account, right? 
it's yeah that can get you in a lot of trouble so yeah i wonder what my second one is perhaps my second one would be perhaps hoarding because I've, I've been good at saving yep but when i when i have like you know i've got my amount in my account when it hits that it's like i feel i feel good so anything over that i'm like oh i can spend a little bit more but i've never been irresponsible i've never been irresponsible with money but i guess i started learning this years ago as well when i actually started making actual money yeah. and stopped living paycheck to paycheck yeah. I started, you know, I read um, T. Harvecker's Secret to the Millionaire Mind. Yep. I started learning to budget my money, manage my money. Because if you can't yep. manage a dollar, how can you manage a million? And uh-huh. and when he said that, I was like, that's so freaking true. Because so often we, we get, it's easier to fall into the mindset of being like, well, I'll, I'll manage my money better when I make more. That's right. It's like you'll make more right. when you manage more. Yeah. There's a, there's a good plan, uh, quote in my book from one of my mentors said to me once, he's like, Oh, once I get money, I'll, I'll put a plan together. He's like, no, no. Once you put a plan together, you'll make more money. Mm-hmm. And 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 so if you're a hoarder and a spender, it's a good combination, right? But um, when you can combine the two and it's and it's nice, it's it's a great thing because you do yeah. have to spend money to have fun, you know? So. Absolutely. You know, it's about having the yeah, like you know, when we talk about managing the money, I'm not sure how you manage yours, but like I put ten percent of everything I make every single week goes to invest. Ten percent everything, ten percent of everything I make goes into a play account. Yeah, and the rest is divvied up with other things as well, right? Like education, to yep. give money away, because it, it, it's about pleasing each kind of archetype, right? So yep. I do. That's why I do tip. I don't tip out of my because I'm being irresponsible. I'll tip money if there's five hundred dollars sitting in my give count. Yeah. Like, oh, sweet. Oh, I'm gonna tip a hundred dollars because that's that's designated to actually give away. Yeah. And then it's like if I want to go buy a pair of Alexander McQueen shoes, I'm gonna look in my play account. Sweet. Do yep. I have a thousand dollars in there? Yep. And do I want to do that? You know, yeah. and this is the conversation we're having with Reese lately, right? Because Reese is yeah. like a hoarder and he just went, he, went like, he bought the shoes yesterday because we were talking about it. Yeah, and, he, and my hoarder's like, no, no, I don't want to touch it, right? And he did it. So good on him. Like he, he was yeah. talking about a spender account. I think if you have those buckets where it's like saving, uh, investment account, spending account, and business capital growth account, whatever it might be, and then tax account, you have those four buckets and you're playing in the buckets and it works, do it. I think that's smart. I'm different. I'm like 90% saving invest, 10% spending. I'm bad. I'm like, everything I make is savings. Yeah. Every time I touch it, it's like, oh, it's dipping into my savings. It's this mindset I've developed. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. More about your book, right? We were talking a little bit about it before we started. And you said there's kind of like three main principles. Because like for the people sitting there going, well, I still can't understand. What do you mean money grows on trees? Because yeah. like for so long, I've been told you need to work hard to make money or you need to be smart to make money. These are the things I, I, I barely graduated year 12. I had yeah. to beg them to let me graduate. They wanted to kick me out. So yeah. please let me finish. And then I got told that you're not going to go very far in life, Morgan, you know, and yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I feel like you, you probably did yourself a favor having to avoid university because university Absolutely. Is, is where entrepreneurs go to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really, I'm lucky to have survived university to become an entrepreneur. Really, oh, it's like hell for entrepreneur, right? They don't build entrepreneurs there. They build workers there. Um, I'm allowed to say that because I've got three university degrees, 16 semesters, probably more than anyone in Australia. So I'll, I'll, I'll hammer it and I'm allowed to and I love doing it. I'm grateful for components of it because it got me to where I am. So I'm not ungrateful, but I don't think it's, yeah, schooling and university and tertiary education is not a place where entrepreneurship is developed. It's developed in your own time with your own reading, your own action, right? Because you can only be an entrepreneur if you figure things out yourself can't read it and then you know so anyway so talk about the talking about money grows on trees the reason i titled it that is because it just flips people's mindsets and i said what do you mean it grows on trees what the heck like prove that to me 
And so the three things it discusses in the book that the core principles are save, create, and grow. So it talks about the principles of saving money. And I remember I caught up in Dubai when I was living there with um, Con Nikafridis, who owned Nikon, like one of the biggest developers on the Gold Coast. He built the Oasis, the Oracle. And I went to law school with his sons. And I knew him. he was over there. And I, I caught up with him once at a bar. And I was like, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, wow, I've got this big hit entrepreneur. He's like worth millions and millions and millions. He's given me some, some time. And I said, well, I want to do this and this. He's like, oh, how much money have you got? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have much. He's like, you've got to save your first 50000 I was like, what? How? Is there a magic formula? He's like, no. <laughs> he goes, you just have to scrimp and save. I'm like, oh. So at that point in time, when all the people, I was like 25 in Dubai making some pretty good money. And people were like buying Range Rovers and doing this. And I was just like, I was renting a shitty Toyota Yaris. It was like brutal for my ego. So I, I go and lease this Yaris and I'm burning down the highway wrecking this Yaris. But I did that for five years so I could save money. So this first part about saving money, there's no sexy way to do it. That's the first step. If you cannot do that and save a hundred bucks, like what you said, you're not going to be able to save a thousand or a hundred thousand. And Warren Buffett's business partner, Charlie Munger says, the first step is to get your first hundred thousand dollars. And he said, the first hundred thousand is a bitch, right? It's hard. That's what he meant. But when you get there, you can take your foot off the gas a bit. Like go hard for that first hundred grand. Because once you have it, you can, you know, really do the, the, the grow part. Because once you save, you can then start to grow, which I'll we'll talk about in a second. So the first step is save. The second thing it goes through is create. Create money, right? Be an alchemist where you're turning lead into gold, like what you did with those, uh, you know, Scooby things, right? You, you created money out of thin air. Am I right? Yeah. Right? You did it so well, you went and you didn't even create the product. And then you went and got a product, resold it, took a margin. You literally created money out of thin air. Okay. So that's where step two is important. You need to, you, you have to look outside your job. Your job is not going to save you anymore. That's finished. Wage growth is like literally gone. You cannot wait for your $10,000 pay rise. It ain't going to come. So you have to now look outside the four walls of the office or wherever you are in your work or your job or your trade and do a side hustle. So it talks about how to create money with a side hustle, affiliate marketing, network marketing, Amazon FBA, info products, Uber, whatever. I talk about in there the best ones to look at, which produce a recurring income, right? Like network marketing. That's a great way to create a, a side hustle. And that's what we did. We went from job six days a week in my property business working, and we started our network marketing business. And within two and a half years, we'd given ourselves a $100,000 pay rise. $100,000 pay rise, not 10, 100. And we created that from zero. We didn't borrow money to do it. We just did it from hustle, right? Using the same thing you do, free social media. Anyway, so it talks about creating this second income because now in today's world, having one form of income is massively risky. It used to be that like, oh, having a separate income is risky. No, no, having one income is risky. So you have to diversify your income. That's what I'm talking about when I say create money, all right? Go and look for ways to do it because here's why. It's really hard to get to your first 100,000 if you're just relying on your job savings. Let's say you save 10 grand a year in your job. What's that going to take 10 years to get your 100 grand? You don't have a second to spare. You do not have 10 years. You want to be wealthy. Don't. Okay. You, you have to look for other ways to save that money. Right. So I was like, okay, if we can start a side hustle and we can add another 10,000 a year, that's 20. That's doubling your savings rate. It's going to get you to your goal in five years instead of 10. Okay. So that's important. It accelerates your savings, accelerates your money tree seeds, okay? 
because that's what savings are. They're money tree seeds. Think of them like money tree seeds and you can plant them. And so here's the final step. Step three, grow money. Money is excellent at making money. It is the best. It doesn't call in sick. It doesn't have sick days. It doesn't, it doesn't sleep. Okay. It works 24 hours a day, seven days a week forever. Okay. That's why you need to get it. Cause when you give it a job, you'll learn that it'll grow. So money will grow by itself. And so here's what you do when you get your hundred thousand or even your 10,000, whatever. Once you've got your money tree seed, you plant it. And for example, with me, I personally put it into an ETF exchange traded fund, which is like an index fund, which buys all of the companies in Australia in one nice, easy stock. And I buy that over time and it grows like the other week uh, when after Joe Biden got in power in the States, seemingly, right? Well, yeah, we don't know about yeah, that. No, we don't know yet. <laughs> no. once, Who knows what the fuck's going on over there? Yeah, what Joe kind of won? Um, <laughs> the stock market's like certainty, beautiful. And what happened was, I think I was texting my brother like every day going, look, this is what I made today. It was like going up by 30,000 a day. <laughs> and I think I must have, my money grew in that week by $180,000 in a week. Nuts. Which is crazy, right? And I did nothing but sit on my bed here at home talk to my brother like wanting him up and and so the reason i'm telling you that is because if you have the habit of saving the habit of creating money like what any way you can and putting it into an index fund or into a property or some asset that's going to grow over time that's how you create wealth because over time what happens is the wealth gets big enough where it produces cash flow to you so for us alicia and i we would earn 40 i was telling you yesterday the other day at golf right we earn between forty and fifty thousand dollars a year in tax-free passive income. Passive, we don't work for that, which is ultimate, and that's the final piece of the puzzle: save, create, and grow. So, what would you say to people that are looking to so get into investing now? Because so often people can they got some money sitting around, they're like, I want to feel smart, I want to feel like I'm an investor. I put in my Instagram bio, uh, and they go buy a whole bunch of rubbish. What where would you say people can kind of start? Well, now more so than ever, there's some apps you can get to start. Like there's a, um, there's an app called raise you can download and you can, it'll just automate your savings and investing into an ETF for you automatically from your, from your spending. And ETF is index funds. Yeah. An exchange traded index fund. So it's like a share that you buy, but it's got all the companies in it. Really, really effective. Um, Really. I'm not, I'm not a financial planner. I don't have a financial service license, full disclaimer, but it's a really safe way to invest in stocks and it will typically outperform 80% of the professional money managers. Okay. Go on YouTube, Warren Buffett, Vanguard index funds, and watch what Warren Buffett's got to say about that. He said when he leaves his multi-billion dollar fortune to his wife, Astrid in his will, it says in his will, put 90% of this, this $60 billion into a Vanguard S and P 500 index fund and put 10% in savings and bonds, like quick cash. That's to his beloved for 40 billion. That's the secret. He gives it to us. But you know why no one does it, Morgan? Why? Not sexy. It's not sexy. That's what I was going to say. Not sexy. Yeah. It'll make you wealthy, you know, but it won't be sexy. But here's the cool thing. When you have enough of it into an ETF or into stocks that produce income, when that, like I've had checks of $11,000 roll into my bank account tax-free because of the dividend franking credits. And I'm just like, wow, money does grow on trees because all I did was plant it. And these years later, it's literally throwing off fruit to me in the form of thousands of dollars. And the tree's still there. 
it's still planted. It'll come again in six months. I'll get another chunk off the tree. So I can literally go out the back door and get money off my tree now. Okay. It's real. Okay. That's what I mean by money grows on trees. And that's, that's what people can do. So I think if you start to start go on YouTube a bit, then go download the raise app and start getting into that. But I mean, you can even like buy stocks. If you're with your bank, ANZ, NAB, Commonwealth Bank, if you're in Australia, you go into your bank site, click open share trading account, open one and just go and buy one. That's what I did. I went kind of like, you got to put your foot forward. People are so frightened. Like, oh, put $1,000. What if I lose it? I was like, I have to learn this. So I have to put, I put three grand into Westpac Bank. First trade, right? And I knew, okay, at least they're paying a 6% dividend. Great bank, been around 200 years. Oldest, one of the oldest, well, the oldest bank in Australia. They're probably not going to go anywhere. So I did that and I got paid. And that's how I learned and went from there. You got to start. Yeah. And I love that you've like, you've clearly invested in yourself. Like you've, you've paid people, you've gone to seminars. We're talking about another seminar coming. Like, so here you are millionaire, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple multiple income streams still going to invest in yourself in a money course, right? That we're going to do together coming up. And this is the thing that just blows my mind the most is that it's funny that money and sex are actually the two things that most people are awkward to talk about. Like I talk it openly at any, any dinner table. I'm always talking about money and sex always, you know, I'm so, I'm so comfortable talking about it, but it's the thing that most people are so scared to talk about, find awkward, but they don't want to learn about it. But this is why most people are broken, have shit sex life. Yeah. I was thinking, we were talking about um, like Alicia and I some time back, like, let's go do a, let's go do a sex court. Like yeah. you have to actually like, we do, we've done relationship stuff. Like that's really good because it's the same. So you either invest in, Wherever you invest your time to learn more and learn from others, you're obviously going to get better at, right? Yeah. Yep. So why would you do those two things? Relationships are everything and money is up there with oxygen. Mm-hmm. The two biggest things that cause the most divorce are those two things. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm st- I want to level up to the next level because I, there's more, there's always more. There's always more, but you get addicted to it, man. You get addicted to leveling up. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I think it's a good thing though, right? It's as long as you're addicted to leveling up but still having gratitude for what you've done and, and pride, you know, if, if it's coming from a lack of I'm not good enough, then that's the issue. But we're only here on this earth one time and what excites me the most is being able to see how much of my potential I can actually tap into before I die. Yeah. We can do the most incredible shit. Um, so I, I love that. And I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. But what I like is like continually investing in this stuff because most people leave sex and money um, up to chance you know, they're yeah, like, well, they do. <clears throat> it's the two most important things in your life. Like yeah. arguably tell me something, tell me something that's more important than a good sex life, relationships and money. Probably only in your health, but. Oh yeah, as well. As well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you like, if you, if you don't have money, can you have good health? Nah, you need to have right? both. Yeah. But like, it's, it's a very important thing. Well, that, that as well, like I'll throw that in there as well. Health. That's, that makes so much fucking sense. But yeah. most people just, how do you learn English? You go, you go get a coach. You yeah. go learn how to do it. How you learn maths, you go do it. Yeah. How, if you want to become a professional basketball player, how do you learn how to do it? You go get a coach, you study off the best. Yeah. But people leave these things that are the most important in life yeah. up to just chance. I'm just going to use yeah. my own gut feeling to figure yeah. it out. Well, do you know what? They actually spend more time on their grocery list than they do on anything else in their life. Mm. Sad, but true. They sit there and fiddle over their grocery list. It's just so unimportant. Like... And, trying to look at how they can save money instead of uh, making. I don't know. They just worry. They just worry and put energy into the, the the most silly things. 
And what I noticed too is that after becoming an author, you realize the lack of propensity, the lack of willingness for people to buy a $20 book and read it is ridiculously high. Like, I don't know what's going on in their head, but I feel like they don't trust themselves to read it and they mm. don't want to lose $20. So people struggle to invest $20 in their mind and their programming, 20 bucks. Can you believe that? But that's the world we're living in. That's why no one's leveling up. If you can't invest 20 bucks, you're finished. You, you will never level up because in here between the six inches between your ears is a supercomputer and it will respond to the program you plug into it. So if you're plugging in USB sticks of like cricket on TV, grocery lists, like whatever it is you're doing, you're just going to get that. But if you plug into there with USB with like money, sex, health, and all these great things, you're going to start thinking differently and you're going to level up in life. But people have this fear of investing in themselves. I guess it's because they don't trust themselves to finish it, maybe. But yeah, yeah man, you've got to invest in yourself. It's the number one thing. Like, why wouldn't you want to? I think it's also people want instant gratification. And the yeah, word like invest, yeah, it's like has an underlying message of you don't get this now. With well, they have a invest, jack- it's like you put away. Yeah. They have a jackpot money mindset. Like, I just want to go invest as little amount of effort as possible, little amount of money to get a jackpot. That's why yeah. the lotto is so popular. You know, buy a ticket, millionaire, instant. That's how human beings are. We want the shortest possible way. But here's the problem with that that's not where the juice is. The juice is in the challenge. You know, if you ask someone, you know, when you climbed this big mountain, whatever it is, was it the, the top? The top's great, but it was who they became on the way up. As cliche and gay. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. silly to say that, but it's true. It's not the thing. It's the, the journey towards it, you know? Yeah, because imagine, imagine, if, imagine if you woke up tomorrow and like, let's say if you had no money, and you woke up tomorrow, then you just had a million dollar port, uh, share portfolio. You had this business, you had everything and you just had it given to you. Like imagine how it'd be exciting for a day. I truly think, but come day two, day three, day four, you'd be like, this is fuck. Is, like, there's no meaning to this. No meaning to it. You got given it. You spend on the wrong things because you got given it. So you don't value it. Then you don't know how to manage it because you got no skill set you built up and you don't know how to expand it. You're stuck. And that's what happens to people that win the lotto, right? They go on spending all this stuff and they have none left. But it's the same with relationships because people say, oh, how do you have such a great relationship? I'm like, because I went through so many shitty ones. Like I I went through, (laughs) I was from the ground up. I learned what not to do. You know, don't, don't do this. Don't do that. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. You know, and you learn along the way, right? Same thing with money. Same thing with success and entrepreneurship. It's like, I suck at this. I'm going to go through these, you know, experiences and I'm going to get better. Unfortunately, relationships, human beings get hurt along the way, but you know, same yeah. thing, same principles apply. You have to go from the coffee boy in in the bank to the CEO. You cannot start at CEO level. Yeah, this is a journey. The journey. What's, what's been your biggest lesson when it comes to money? Did you And did you learn it through loss or did you learn it along the way? I think the biggest lesson, the first lesson is I'm really glad I learned about stocks. God, thank God I avoided property. I just... So you don't have property? No. We don't own a house here. We just rent. Yeah. Will you get into it or no? I'd probably eventually under the right circumstances for the right reasons, but not to make money. I think it's a really poor moneymaker. And a lot of moguls get on here and listen to this and go, what do you mean? I made a mean, but I think at a certain time in your life, it's effective. But I think too many people in their early twenties are running into it thinking it's going to make them money. That's not a good moneymaker. Okay. 
our network marketing business gives us as much cash flow, get this, as 16 unencumbered, debt-free, half-million-dollar houses. 16, Morgan. And we did it in six and a half years. So you can't tell me that property is the, the, the cash king. It's not compared to side hustles, which is not. So I think people rush into it too fast. So I learned that I, one of the lessons I learned was I didn't want to go down that route. So I learned about stocks and I'm really happy I did because it produces cash flow. So it gives you flexibility and freedom. And the other lesson I learned was that, I guess I, I go through the lessons in my book, but you got to start with saving discipline. That was the biggest lesson, you know? And then you got to look in investments and learn about it. And then as much as you know, as much as I know, I'm not Warren Buffett. And so I guess it's the ego of, hey, you don't know as much as what he does, so stop trying to be him and just put your money into an index fund. And that's the simplest, best lesson you could possibly learn. And then it's just about how do you accelerate it. So go build a little online business and scale it up and put some money away and uh, leave your job. I love it. Yeah. I, I know that how you do one thing is how you do everything. And you kind of just touched on it a little bit before. It's like, why is your relationship so good? Because it's like, you know, you apply the same kind of principles. Yeah. I'm really curious. You just finished your first 100 kilometer ultra marathon, which is fucking insane. How long did that take? That took like over a day, didn't it? it was 26 like, and a half hours. 26 and a half fucking hours. That's crazy, man. I, I haven't been up. I have not stayed up that long sober. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but what what kind of lessons did you learn? Surely you would have had some lessons, some breakthroughs, some yep. so many so many things you would have learned through that journey. Yep. Um, what what were what what were some of your biggest just I guess lessons that you learned during that that you can kind of apply into everyday life and success? Because not not just anyone can go and do that. No, you, you, well, you've got a success mindset for that. Yeah, fifty percent of people who actually showed up for the day to run it didn't finish. Mm. So even the ones that had the success mindset soon get through it unfortunately and it comes back to the preparation side of things but so here's the thing when i was younger i started these university degrees because i had a really influential dad and he persuaded me really well to go to school because he never went to uni and that was my biggest influence otherwise i wouldn't have gone anyway so i start these degrees and they're kind of hard like biomed science is hard sitting there studying medical chemistry level three at 17 during summer while everyone's that that's what made, that's what created the concreteness in my mind, right? I learned it young. I have to apply myself and read this MedChem book to go and sit this exam. And I wasn't that smart, okay? So I actually worked at it. So I learned to finish what I started. So I committed to finishing these degrees. So I actually finished every one I started, okay? And that's what kind of gave me this, okay, I finished it. Yeah, I got this piece back, but it, it gave me this discipline, right? Discipline is one of the best traits you can have for success. Then I took that and I remember I, um, I I did that at work. I was working big hours. I showed up on time. I did this and it kind of just, you know, I, don't know, I, I got, I stayed in a job where I was just getting made redundant. So I was still, that helped me there too. But when I sat these exams, they're called the CFA charter. And the CFA charter is the hardest exam in finance in the world. You can go and Google it. There's only 100,000 CFA charter holders in the world. And most people that go and work for an investment bank need it. It's, it's more sought after than an MBA. And so I start this thing because I'm trying to level up. All I knew at that time when I was working, you know, 60 hours a week in Abu Dhabi was all I knew to level up was study. That's all I knew. I didn't know, so I didn't, didn't have an idea. 
So I was like, if I study more, I'll get a wage rise, right? And I think that's what a lot of people think still. So I did this exam and six hours, you got to sit it once a year. You study, self-study. These books come to your house. It's brutal. Finance, maths. <laughs> and I self-studied while my mates were going to Brazil on holidays in my room after hours, 20 hours a week after work. And I sat this exam, walk in. There's like a thousand people in the hall. They sit it once a year all around the world. And at six hours, I just did it. And I walked out and I failed. And then I was like, shit, I failed. I spent like six months studying for this. Then I, I was like, I'd reset it. I'd reset it. I, I can do it. I went back again, studied another six months, went into the six-hour exam, came out, failed by breath. And I'm on the phone to my dad. I'm like, oh, man, I failed again. I don't know if this is really going to – the juice is worth the squeeze here. He's like, step back up, dash yourself off. And I was like, well, Edmund Hillary took three goes to climb Everest. So I'm like, I'll give it one-third shot. I studied again, went back, bang, finished it, right? Got it, passed it. Only 30% of people passed that exam, and I did it. Sat the next level the next year, six months, uh, a year later, another six-hour exam, level two. Went in, did it, only 30% of people passed that one, and I passed it first go because of the principles I learned in that first one. And then went and failed my level three, and I'm at level three now. So I'm sitting there. And once I pass that, I'll be like one of the top 100,000 in money, right, in finance, academically. Sounds like silly to do it but like that taught me so much about success because i went back and i went back and the sacrifice i put into that you know you wouldn't not in your 20s no 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 reasonable 20 year old would do that so i was like if i can do that and not make any money from it and put all that money towards it and time i can do anything and so after that i was able to apply those skills into lots of other stuff and so when it came to writing a book when it came to you know fighting that boxing match I did earlier in the year, the fight like a pro, and when it came to running the 100-kilometer ultra marathon, like I was challenged to run it, and then Alicia did it with me, and Gab and Mel, and we had a little crew, and the way I applied myself to that exam back years and years ago was how I applied myself to the 100-kilometer ultra. We got up at 4:30 in the morning. We're up at 4 a.m. in the morning, running hills in Narang, 35-kilometer hills, brutal, five hours. Bang, we're getting our nutrition right. We're preparing. We're talking to mentors. We're looking at Instagram accounts. We were we invested in the right gear. We spent thousands of dollars investing in the right gear, the right equipment. And then it had our mindset. I was listening to David Goggins a lot. So my mindset was around hardness and toughness and getting through it, right? So all that stuff I was doing because I was trying to give myself a an unreasonable advantage. I was trying to get an advantage everywhere I could. And that's how you kind of build success. It, it was it was a it was like a an obsession for that. 10 weeks we had to prepare for it. We signed up 10 weeks before. So we only had eight weeks to train and then two-week digs a week, right? So we were at it. And then, bang, race day came up and down these hills, man. And it was freaking brutal. I remember coming to the 57-kilometer checkpoint mark with shin splints like nothing else, like ripping through my legs. It was like walking on fire. At 57, I was like, holy crap, I have to run another 50 kilometers like this. How am I going to do this? So it's like at that point, you're like, well, just take one step, just one step, one step, one step, one step. And like when the morning comes, you're like, oh my God, like this is brutal. It's torture, but we have to finish this. And we finish it with an hour and a half to spare towards the end or we would have disqualified. So I guess how you do one thing is how you do everything and how I've written a book, how I've done the boxing program, how I've run a clump, how I've our Jenks business, our network marketing business, how I've done that is has been this overwhelmingness of obsession and getting yourself right to do it. So you got to learn at some point. And I think too many people 
they feel like they're learning on their entrepreneurial journey, but I learned to ages ago at uni, right? You learned it through network marketing probably, right? Applying yourself and succeeding. I don't know where you learned it, but you learned it somewhere. And I think too many people think that it's entrepreneurs fault that they didn't learn it. It's not. Everyone learns it differently. You want to learn it? Go run an ultra marathon. You'll learn it pretty fast what it takes because you can apply that to everything. It's a metaphor for everything, right? Because life's a marathon, not a sprint. It's so, it's so true. It, it literally is like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Like it's, it's every single possible thing. And the, the newest thing in my life is, I think I've even talked about this in some episodes, is like I'm learning how to do bachata dancing. Yeah. Right? And <clears throat> I've only been doing it for five months or something and I'm getting really good. But, and every time I dance people, they're like, how long have you been dancing for? I'm like, I don't know, five months. It's like, you're really good. You've danced before. I'm like, no, never. Just yeah. because like, I don't, you know, but I delayed doing it until the time was right until I could really commit to it because how I do things when I'm prepared to do it, I'm going all the fuck away in and I'm getting a coach and I'm doing it multiple times a week and I'm watching and I'm visualizing. Like I watch it on TV and I, and I visualize because I know you actually were still learning then. And, yep. um, you know, so it's literally is how you do. And there was, there's been so many times where I've, not so many times. I think that was two times where I literally just left. I was like, this fucking sucks. I'm over it. And I got so pissed off. And then I get home and I'm like, this is so funny because I'm at the dip. I'm at the yeah, consciously yeah. uncompetent. I know yeah. I'm really shit at this. Yeah. And this is where the journey starts. Yes. You know, so I celebrate that. The excitement leaves then. And like, even when we were training for the ultra, oh, mate, I was like, I do not want to get up at four tomorrow morning. This is four weeks in and go and walk the hills of Narang for seven hours. I don't want to do that. But that's when I knew, like what you said, when it kicks in, that's the time to dig your heels in. When you're unexcited, dejected, feeling flat, why am I doing this, questioning yourself, is the juice worth the squeeze? That's when you got to dig in because that's when everyone quits. Yeah, man. This has been absolutely awesome and you've dropped so much freaking value. Um, where can everybody find you on social media and buy your book? You can really, um, you can find me on social media at Lloyd James Ross is my Instagram handle, Lloyd James Ross. There's two L's in my name, by the way. Second one's silent. Lloyd. Lloyd. Yeah. And then on Facebook, Lloyd J. Ross. I'm always on Facey. You can shoot me a message. But my website, you can go to get the book is LloydJross.com. LloydJross.com. Easy as. And I hope you read it. If you do, let me know what it's like. I'm sure you get tons of value from it. And Good luck in your journey. Like that's where you start. You, you invest in yourself in a book and then you level up and you model success. So yeah. thanks for having me on, man. It's, I love this dream out loud. It's so good. I'm yeah, really baby. impressed with you. I'm proud of what you're doing. It's so good. I appreciate you, dude. Yeah. To, to wrap this up, I got one last question. Yeah. Send you're, it. Not, you're not getting away just yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you were to go back to your 18-year-old self and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? This is really hard because I feel really happy with where I am in life. So I feel if I changed anything back then, then I'll have what I have now. So it's hard for me to say I'd teach myself this because I'm stoked right now. But if I could go back and teach myself something, don't pour so much time into studying, studying traditional tertiary education. Pour a lot more time into starting out a business. It's the best thing, starting a business. As young as you can be, start a business. You won't find any enjoyment in a work environment, like in a traditional nine to five years, not. So I think that would be, as 18, invest in yourself. Here it is. Invest in yourself, but invest in like books and entrepreneurship and online business and getting around people like you and getting around modeling someone. Get someone to model. 
find a mentor. That is the probably the number one thing. Find a great mentor at 18, as what I always said to myself. I did have one of my dad, thankfully, but if, if I didn't have one, it would be that. Yeah, find a mentor. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.